after the tonight I don't have to speak anymore. <laughs> it's something nice uh, being the first one finished and watching the other two labor. <laughs> the child. The ch- the child in me really enjoys that. <laughs> also, the child in me really enjoys um, having met all of you and the warmth that I feel and that I hope you feel um, uh, from that meeting and from the meetings. You know, it, you can't exactly say it's a personal relationship because we're looking at things beyond just the personal, but so it's a nice impersonal relationship, you might. <laughs> but the the warmth, the warmth of it, and uh, it's interesting. I, I wish I could take a psychic snapshot of you as you entered, and a psychic snapshot of you <laughs> now. If they um, have such a camera, I would love to buy one because the difference is uh, immeasurable. It's just, um, I mean, all of us know, know it, uh, but I'm just hoping that you do as well. Uh, and uh, the first uh, part of the retreat uh, doesn't uh, necessarily point to this. In fact, it points to just the other, the opposite. You forget this for some reason, this this component of, of the sense of you and the sense of the world in relationship to you is uh, easily forgotten as um, the crises reappear. And uh, something calls you back into the retreat, but the first couple days, um, you wonder what you're doing here again. And on and on it goes like that. Uh, well, um, into many retreats... Uh, the experience of many retreats. But something has changed. Something has shifted. It's not... Uh, uh, I don't believe that it's... Um, that you've suddenly attained more samadhi or something. I don't, I don't justify it that way. I look at it in a different way. I look at it uh, in the subject of which I would like to talk about tonight. Uh, something has been integrated. You've integrated yourself in a different way. You hold yourself in a different way. And the word that comes to mind when I want to speak about this integration is, in fact, integrity. I always like to go to the dictionary and look up the word and see what the dictionary says. It turns out that the root word, or the root meaning, the root word of this is integer, uh, which is a whole number, a whole number. A whole number. And it's followed with um, the state of being unimpaired and unobstructive truth. Sounds like a Dharma talk out of... (laughs) Webster had it together there somewhere. (laughs) Wholeness of heart. And um, meditation... uh, Let me just put this... um, Succinctly, meditation is meant for you to fail. Meditation is meant for you to fail. Now, what do I mean by that? 
I mean that you can't work the meditation uh, towards um, through your own efforts, through your own strategies of life. And uh, you will pursue that for a while, but inevitably it will, um, you'll fail at it. You'll get frustrated, cynical, and give it up. That switchover, that which happened to you somewhere between the beginning of the retreat and now, uh, was that you failed. I don't mean, you understand, I'm not um, suggesting that any of you have actually failed. It's the sense of you being in control that has failed. You see? In other words, you have fallen into something that you you had discounted up until now. You have fallen into something. You've landed on something. You have touches or a sense of your wholeness, of the integer, the integrity, wholeheartedness. And that was not due to your manipulation. and to your striving, ambitions. Mm-mm. No. See, meditation confronts our beliefs of not being whole. We start out not feeling whole. We feel um, conflicted. And meditation confronts those beliefs. For we begin to find, and this is an important point, that those, um, that sense of, of, of um, being conflicted and not being whole is an assumption. It's an assumption. That what we do in meditation is release, begin to release the assumption of our incompleteness, of being broken, Right? But I feel here to see just a couple of heads nod so that I can go. <laughs> it helps me. <laughs> see, have we fallen out of grace? Is that what is that what it is? Or are we in grace now? And what do we do to get back to grace? Were we ever out of grace? Or did we just assume that we were out of grace? You see, you have to orient yourself right to this question of meditation. If you can get this, the path will open dramatically for you. Dramatically. We even ask questions from the assumption of incompletion. Now, those questions aren't wrong, but we need to know that they come from that assumption. How do I get whole assumes that you're already not whole. How long will it take? You see, when, when, do you see? And so to apply the assumptions 
a brokenness to the grace of your wholeness just doesn't make sense, does it? You see? You see how we work against, by holding on to that assumption, we work against our integrity, our wholeness, our unimpaired truth. And the way that we have normally tried to locate our wholeness is through finding wholeness in form, in that which is external to us. Because the way the mind works is that it can't sense its wholeness. Thought, thinking, this mind's deliberation can't sense its wholeness. So wholeness is pursued in relationship to other, that which is external. And if I can just acquire or gain or complete what my mind says I need to, which is always future, you see, completion for the mind is always yet to be. A desire is essentially an attempt to be whole, an attempt towards, a mental attempt towards integrity. But the only way the mind knows how to do that is to reach for things and bring it in. Because it can't see anything but this and that, and you and me. And we for endless, we're endless in trying to work out our sense of wholeness through the mental, the mental views of desire and fear. But what is it that holds it all? That which holds it all. That's what sees it all. Is that broken? As we play out the field of gathering things, that which sees us do it, that which we have ignited, that's what... That that sees, that which and so we become um, disenchanted with trying to paste ourselves together like a, a, a broken puzzle that we're trying to get all the pieces right. You need a piece of this and my piece of that and my piece of relationship and my piece of job and my, you know, and, and then, you know, as you get this one in and this one starts shaking and then it's like, you know, And you begin to realize that the pieces where we see pieces, that's a very different dimension than where we see wholeness. 
Wholeness doesn't try to piece together. Wholeness is together. There's no glue necessary. Because it's only been an assumption. It's only an assumption. A very entrenched assumption, that's for sure. We wake up with it. Of course, if you were a very small child and I told you anything, and you rehearsed it moment after moment, and everybody around you were at, was acting from it, guess what? When you were 30, 40, 50 years old, it would be a very ingrained assumption, no matter what that assumption would have been. Well, this one is the kind of the mass conspiracy of all consumption, or of assumptions. Full-heartedness, integrity, full-heartedness. Walk with me as we explore some of these uh, definitions of integrity. Full-heartedness. See, I love this because... Um, Love is only available to what is already complete. I have a Vietnam War veteran friend of mine who was badly burned in the war. And he has scars, really scars all over his body, but on his face. And he's also a meditation student and a very... um, steady meditation student. And he, um, he said, you know, uh, for uh, uh, 25 years after the war, he attempted uh, to um, fix his burns and operation after operation. From a sense of not being complete, not being, uh, you know, that there was something wrong with him. And uh, only partially successful. And finally, one day he was looking in the mirror, uh, and suddenly he loved the face he was looking at, and he wanted no more operations. Now let your heart grieve for a moment there. You see, we can only love what is already complete. And because love is always accessible, it's waiting for our recognition of that wholeness. It's just waiting. It's waiting, waiting for us to stop and feel the grace that is already upon us. And wonders. Nothing needs to be changed. Wonders. Wonder is wondrous. Love moves only in completion. 
And you can see in practice how we try to make the love of our attention, full attention, full acknowledgement, full awareness, full allowance. We just try to stop moving to acknowledge the wholeness so that our awareness can be, can fully embrace what it sees. And mostly we're in movement of that. And so there's a judgment in that movement. And so love is only partial. And so healing is only partial. All we have to do is stop. Look at the mirror and say, no more operations. It's this or nothing. There's a story I like to tell of a woman who's a very good friend um, and uh, student, and uh, we were having a discussion similar to this, and she had a car full of children taking them to school in her station wagon, and she was locked in the middle of a, of a freeway, and the children were late for school, and she had to get them there because she was late for an appointment, and the traffic was not moving, and the kids were screaming and playing and poking in the back seat, and her world was... Uh, just lost to her. And then she said, I will never get out of this station wagon. This is my world forever. This will last forever. <laughs> you know that one's mo- those mom? You know that? You know that? Sit- but this was true, see. This wasn't a scream of the mind. It was a resolution of heart. It was a moment of true integrity. And she said there was no problem. because she wasn't in any way trying to modify. And love is a moment. I mean, it has to be true for you. It can't be a pretentious truth. You just, that's it. So see in your meditation if you're waiting to improve. Because then your awareness is only partially tuned to its love. Another full-heartedness is the different... We think that commitment, where we have a very strong... Um, idealism, ideal of commitment. But commitment just means that your body is going to be present. Right? I'm committed to this relationship. It means that you're going to be there. Be, your body will be there. Right? I'm committed to staying on this retreat. That means that for the, you know, your mind, God knows, that's not... Uh, See, there's a difference between commitment and full-heartedness. Full-heartedness, you have to show up. That's a whole different dimension of yourself than commitment. Commitment is really a very minor affair. It's a discipline. Full-heartedness, full integrity is showing up. 
That's what happens when we leave here. We lose the willingness to show up. We may maintain commitment. We keep our practices intact. But our practices are all about showing up, and we bring the commitment to the practice, but not the resolution of heart. Integrity. Integrity. The statue of the Buddha represents, um, to me, a a beautiful mudra of integrity. For that particular um, touching of the earth pose, it is said that, uh, like you and I, the Buddha sat down, except he made a little stronger resolution to show up. (laughs) He said, full-heartedly, I'm not getting up here until I understand, period, that's it. You know what? That was his enlightenment. That didn't lead to his enlightenment. And then, a mind wave came in. Do you really have the right to make that resolution when you have all the problems of the world that exist, when you have tsunami waves crashing into shores? Do you really have a right to sit here What are you going to do with that? And he reaches down and he touches the earth to confirm not his wish to remain, but the truth of where he was. That the The earth, you might say, reached up to meet him. This is my place on the earth. This is where I am. No doubt about deserving to be here or should be somewhere else. This is where I am because this is where I am. See, that's full-hearted showing up. And a story I've told, and I should find another story to tell along this theme, but I can't seem to come up with one that's quite as good as this one anyway. I was in Thailand as a monk, and I uh, was uh, a Westerner, and there was another Westerner next to me. And there was a big ceremony that uh, we were having at the front of the monastery in which we had to, uh, when we heard the bell, the gong, we all had to go... uh, Join it, and then a lot of um, Western or uh, lay people were coming and offering food, and it's a big ceremony. So the gong went off, which gave us about ten minutes to get there. And I went by the other Westerners uh, 
Cootie hut to pick him up so that we could walk to the front. And he was, I heard all this banging around in his hut. So I stopped in there, and it turned out that there was a poisonous snake in the rafters of his cootie. And, of course, he couldn't leave his cootie not knowing where that poisonous snake was, so he was trying to get it out before he went to the ceremony. So I took off all the, the, you know, the robes and stuff and just went up and tried to get it out with him. Well, this went on for some time. The snake finally did leap off the rafters onto the ground, so we saw it go away, but we were a good 20 minutes late for the ceremony. So we got dressed back up, and we were walking down the path, and I'm saying, oh, my God, I can't think of anything worse. Two Westerners of the monastery walking down this path. We're going to come into an already ongoing ceremony. The monks won't look up because that's not what they do, but all the lay people are like, Look, staring at us, and I, I'm just, I don't know what I can, I know, I, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen, so I'm saying that to my friend, and he says, he says, wait a minute, Rodney, you have nothing to apologize for. You see who is touching the earth? He said, you helped me. We go in there with our heads high. We owe no explanation to anyone. And <clears throat> My, my hand touched the earth. You see, we touch, I touched the earth in that moment. This is, it's, it's not a question of deserving to be here. That's not even a question. That's, not even, that's the question not of integrity. That's a question of fear. That's a question of being broken and wanting to be fixed. And whenever there is a doubt, I touch the earth now. Maybe I should or shouldn't. I'm not sure if that, you know, you know the, the rumblings of the mind that look, where we're touching the earth, for God's sake. We're here. We're being affirmed in this moment. See, that's integritous. That's the integrity. That's the line. The touch is the touch of wholeness, the touch of completion, owning our rightful place, where we are beyond doubt and fear, where we are beyond being fractured and broken. And through that touch, we affirm much more. We affirm the source. Of all things. can we doubt that? Why do we go back into being broken? Why do we believe that when all around us is the affirmation? What is that that sends us with our tail between our legs? 
One of the qualities of integrity, not the entire statement, but one that very much helps the resolution of the wavering is ethical conduct. Is abiding within ethical conduct. Not as rules. But because we see what being corrupt and unethical does, it keeps us in the fractured state. Because the corruption, unethics, comes from the fractured state. It's the only thing from which corruption can arrive. And then we have to cover up with the paranoia, the defensiveness, the explanation, the rationalization. And so our head is constantly turning, not to where we are, but to being seen in a different place than where we stand, because where we stand, we're guilty. Do you see how this is essential? Not just nice to be ethical. but essential if we're going to take a stand, if we're going to touch the earth. And there comes in that resolution of heart, in that fullness heart, a knowing, a knowing that cannot be denied, a knowing that we cannot get out of, that sees what we are doing all the time and knows it, the intelligence of integrity. Not my intelligence, the intelligence of integrity. So we say something off-colored or unskillful remark. There's no rationalization. There's no way to cover that. We stay with the rawness of what we just did. And our integrity demands us because this above all else, our integrity above all else, It demands us to face what we just did and to take responsibility. And it's hard. It's much easier to run with our tail between our legs than handle the implications of our unskillful actions in body, speech, and mind. But that's what the path demands. We don't get away with a thing. The knowing, the knowing of it. And we sometimes wish we could exercise that knowing. That's with an O and not an E. But that knowing is the touch. It is the ground. And we maintain that touch at all costs. I can remember unskillful actions. It's not whether we do skillful or unskillful actions. Yes, that's important. But the knowing is more important. 
the willingness to be honest with what we just did, that's, far, that's the integrity. We're not always going to be up to the task of doing skillful actions. But we can always be up to the task of being honest to the knowing. And so then it doesn't become a moral journey, one in which my actions are evaluated against some ideal in which I'm constantly on the edge of where for my act, I can relax with this thing. I just stay with the knowing. And what we begin to realize is that everything can be brought into our integrity that there's nothing outside of wholeness, that there are no broken parts. What does he mean? What about my desire? What about my fear? Now listen. There are no broken parts. There's only the assumption of brokenness. If we're not assuming brokenness, then those parts won't drive us in the direction of their thought. And therefore, they are complete and perfect in and of themselves. If you want to know how the relative fit with the absolute, It's for the love of the wholeness in which the relative is included in the absolute. Even that which seems to take us away means, are you going to believe it? Are you going to believe that assumption? Are you going to say, yeah, I am broken. I really do need. I really can't do this. I really must. I really doubt that. I really must afraid of that, then you have assumed the assumption of being broken. Remember that awareness is unfractured. And that the sum of all the parts is not the whole. The whole is the awareness that doesn't run with the assumption of being broken. Awareness is not fractured. It, the Buddha said, it is the Lord over everything. So when we release the argument, when we release the resistance, we're a, we are touching the earth of our wholeness and, no lo- and giving up the assumption of being broken. That's what happens. That's what we're doing. 
understand this practice. Don't buy in to being broken and you're on the journey to fix yourself. It is not true. In fact, you will never fix yourself with that assumption. As long as assumption is maintained, you'll never be fixed. And if your journey accentuates that assumption, you will have small indications that something is happening, better samadhi, more peace. But as long as you carry that assumption, you are broken. Even our egoic sense of me is not broken. There's nothing to fix. To abide then within integrity is to see through this view and this assumption. To really know full-heartedness, to show up instead of to hedge our life with uncertainty, with doubt, with fear and trepidation. This too, this too, my ignorance, what about my ignorance? This too, what about my confusion, my confusion? I have to get over my confusion. This too, We stop questioning our place in life. We stop questioning it. Because we're touching the earth moment after moment. We're being validated moment after moment by the earth itself. Tremendous responsibility. Tremendous responsibility. The more whole and integritous we become, that above all else. And we use many tools to remind us of our integrity, but let them not remind us of the assumption of brokenness. We use practice. We use monastic bells and meditation cushions and meditation practice. And we use for feedback. And we use virtually every relationship in our life. Not to defend or rationalize or pull back through the assumption but to validate the touching, to validate the wholeness. We can never validate that asleep.
We will never know we're touching the earth asleep. Through body, speech, and mind. We can't just have the Buddha's head and forget about the body. We take it all. We ingest it all. There's no time to turn around and doubt. We have gone far beyond that now. Our lives are at stake, literally, figuratively. All we have to do is confirm the touch. From time to time, in the rest of this retreat, just touch the ground in front of you. Don't buy the statement of the mind, the view of the mind, the, the assumption of the mind. The heart knows. The heart knows. It full, feels its fullness. It's waiting. for unfractured attention for it to have abiding wholeness of heart. It's waiting for us to show up rather than to be committed. How can that be denied? Be still for a moment and see that it is true. Be still for a moment and confirm the touch. Be still for a moment and know that you are whole. and never turn around again. Can we sit for a minute, please? Feel the resonance right here as we sit. It's palpable. Is there any doubt? Feel it.
That's the roar of the source. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.